This is Friday Game Changers, taking your business to the next level. Hi, my name's Julian Leach. I'm co-founder and CEO at Parcel Point, and my Friday would not be complete without Kizzy's Friday Game Changers. Coming up on Kizzy's Friday Game Changers. When you've got people with a lot more money than you, you're seeing them do things. You're thinking, wow, they, they could take us out if they continue doing certain things. I'm Peter Watson, the Managing Director of Distract, and I've got kind of four main tips really for any entrepreneurs out there who are trying to kind of grow the business and get started. Um, so the number one thing that any entrepreneur right now is just to start, right? There's a lot of people I call entrepreneurs out there who talk a good game, but actually never actually do anything. So the first thing is get started, get moving, keep going forward. And the second thing is actually focus on surviving for the first 12 months. There's a big... Entrepreneurs are really kind of ambitious people, right? But the key thing is just survive for the first 12 months before you try and do anything crazy. And that means don't hire too fast as well. There's a big sort of like egotistical way about how many staff everyone's got. But the reality is try and survive for the first 12 months. Try and be very busy and just kind of keep alive. Um, But the most important thing I would say that has really helped us over this time is find people who have done it before. Find experts that have helped you, that can help you um, kind of muster the courage and carry on going forward. One thing I'm doing to help with entrepreneurs right now is I'm documenting my whole process of my journey of an entrepreneur for the next 20 years on YouTube, and it's called Inside the Journey, and also I document every single day on Instagram, at pwatto. From the Business Game Changer Studios, welcome to Kizzy's Friday Game Changers with your host, Kizzy Nkwacha. Kizzy is the publisher of Business Game Changer magazine, editor of the successful Woman in Business book series, and the best-selling Every Entrepreneur's Guide series. Every week, Kizzy and his guests provide you with the tools you need to take your game-changing business to the next level. Now meet your host, your mentor, and your fellow game-changer, Kizzy Nkwacha. Hello and welcome to Kizzy's Friday Game Changers. Now for anyone who thinks innovation is dead and all the great ideas have already been done, this week's show will prove just how wrong you are. The Soul Supplier was founded in 2013 with the aim to provide accurate trainer news and release information for the UK and European market. Flash forward to 2019 and the Soul Supplier is now Europe's largest trainer dedicated content site serving over 2 million people each month. How do they do it? We'll find out in just a few minutes. This is Kizzy's Friday Game Changers. Listen, learn and innovate. I'm Kate Bell, founder of Zip Us In, and I love listening to Kizzy's Friday Game Changers. Hey guys, this is Tim Hyde from CWH Media. I'm a 24-year-old social media marketer from Manchester, and today we're just going to talk a little bit about where the sort of industry is moving to with regards to sort of social media marketing. Um, you know, when I started off at the Lad Bible um, and then went to Social Chain, you know, it was definitely um, in its infancy, uh, and you've definitely been able to see in 2019 how sort of social media as a whole um, and as a kind of channel is starting to be sort of more and more integrated with with other media and actually sort of integrated properly with a kind of holistic approach of a campaign rather than utilised as a kind of add-on. Um, you know, other, something else that's actually really interesting for this year is the kind of up and down performance of Facebook and Instagram um, paid media. Um, you know, for the last sort of four or five years, it's been a phenomenal tool specifically in the e-commerce space to really sort of 
drive engagement and actually generate acquisition and you know people have, uh, have got very very rich off the fact but since sort of march there have been various outages which are sort of forcing a lot of these sort of media buyers and planning agencies to actually pull some of their budgets and, uh, and, and have actually found that from a performance standpoint snapchat's actually able to um recover um a little bit of the damage um, you know, another trend that I think is is going to go um, throughout the market this year is sort of authenticity and transparency, which I'm sure people in the industry will have thrown around um, already this year. But what it, I'm, I want to kind of touch on is the fact that um, there seems to be this trend of influencers actually sort of doing the you know post for Instagram and actually highlighting you know the reality of the situation and that whole brand transparency piece is actually working really, really well from an engagement standpoint um, on social media currently. Um, thanks for listening and I'll hopefully hear from you soon. A very warm welcome to the show. At 24 years old, George Sullivan founded The Soul Supply because he was a trainer fan, fed up with the lack of reliable information and content sites for people like him. He decided, what the hell, I'll do it myself. Does that sound familiar? Well, he did it. The Soul Supply was born in 2013, and in 2019, it serves over 2 million people every month. Yeah, you heard that right. 2 million visitors every month. I'm really pleased to say that George Sullivan is here with me today. George, it's great to have you join us. Good afternoon, Kizzy. It's great to be here. The pleasure's all mine, and it's really good to have you on the show. Um, your story, George, is a sort of story that entrepreneurs read about, and once they've read it, they get so fired up that it makes them want to do something, something extraordinary. Tell me in your own words, how did the Soul Supplier come about? Yeah, so um, it was quite... I'll simplify it, right, because... I was looking for an idea and they say that's the worst thing to do, but I was always reading different books, reading different articles. I was always into my sort of entrepreneurialism and business. And this was from when I was about 15, 16 years old, seeing my dad in business, um, seeing him run his own print company. And I always had aspirations to do similar, to run my own company. Um, so I learned a lot from him and I wanted to educate myself. So I would pick up books, you know, on digital marketing, affiliate marketing web development um, but I just didn't know what it was what that idea was how I was going to do something online but my dad was always like you know think about the internet because that is where that's where the money is that's what you need to be looking at so I focused my attention on the internet and I was a bit of a geek right so I was on the computer all the time um, and you know like you said fast forward to, to 24 years old I've been working in quite a few different jobs at the time um, and I was in recruitment at the time, actually. Um, and I was buying a lot of trainers, earning some good commission in recruitment, buying a lot of footwear, and also buying footwear to resell on to make a profit because some of the footwear I was buying was, was quite exclusive. And I was searching a lot for the information on how to buy this footwear. And I, I ended up reading a book called The Entrepreneur's Wisdom. And one of the chapters said something like, I think it was an early chapter, the second chapter about, you know, just look close to home and just start. It was, you know, the biggest hurdle is, is starting. It's getting over that first hurdle of, of starting your idea because you're going to put up all the barriers because it's quite a scary and daunting prospect. So um, after reading that, uh, some, the penny just dropped. I needed to create a small WordPress website to serve people information on footwear in the UK, the footwear I was buying. 
and that was it. I started small. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, but setting up a huge site like the Soul Supply sounds very expensive. Did you have to make a huge initial investment? Uh, did you get investors on board or did you start small and grow the site organically? Um, so it was self-funded. I I'd saved up. I made a decision uh, for around, it was eight months total where I, I completely stopped drinking and actually going out socialising because I wanted to save money um, with the idea of eventually escaping the recruitment job. So I remember I had saved, just before I started, I had around £10,000 in my bank account. Um, I was also selling stuff on eBay as well, like I say, buying and selling trainers. Um, buying and selling items that I'd find in charity shops as well that were undervalued, so buying them from there and selling them on eBay. So all these sort of side hustles to make extra money to to boost my bank balance for when I had that idea. So yeah, I had around ten thousand, and when I started the Soul Supplier, I, I used that to help me set up the site. You know, buy the domain name, buy the hosting, buy a WordPress theme, so it could it could look good. Um, and then I also used that after a few months to help get help from a freelancer uh, overseas, a web developer, who helped me customize the site because my, my knowledge was limited. Um, so, yeah, I do think that gave me that security to, to, to try some research and development and test some things out on the site. Whereas if I didn't have that, it would have been harder. Definitely. Yeah. Your, your story and mine sound so similar because I remember those earlier days um, looking at WordPress and thinking, wow, this is such a revelation. And then you yeah. hire people to do customization for you. And, it, and at some point, eventually, the penny drops and you realize just how straightforward these customizations are. And you could probably do them yourself now with your eyes closed, I bet. Yeah. So for me, I, I could do some of them myself. But at the time where I was working quite a, a a fast paced job in, in recruitment, I had limited time. So it became apparent that to, to do the things I wanted to do on the site, I needed that help. So I hired the, the developer and also a freelance writer. An important lesson there that we all have to learn eventually, find good people to work with you so that you can free yourself to do the things that you know you're best at. But let's just go back to those earlier years, George. What teething problems did you experience when setting up Soul Trader and how did you overcome them? Yeah, that's a good question. There was a point after around six months where the site just wasn't getting the traffic I was hoping for. You know, I was spending my morning, spending my lunch breaks and evenings up until like 12, one o'clock in the morning, um, you know, ignoring my girlfriend every night to work on the site and create content and schedule the social posts. And it just wasn't getting the traffic after six months. And it really became quite quite intense to keep to keep working in that way I felt like I needed a lucky break um, and you know it's kind of like people say the universe the universe gives if you keep putting back in and we got our first Google ranking our first position page one first position for a huge trainer that was coming out and everyone wanted to know where to get this shoe it was a triple white Hirachi Nike Hirachi and we were first in Google and it was kind of like one of those you know, thank the universe moments, the hard work's paid off, the site shot up in traffic three times, three to four times what it got in a day usually. And things started to pick up from there. And that was the sign I was looking for. I was like, right, I need to keep going. Yeah, um, that was a real testing moment, though, because there was a few points where I thought, I don't know if I'm going to continue with the site, if it has legs, if this is really what people are looking for. 
but that was the sign I needed in the early stages, yeah. But you're thinking, God bless that triple white Nike Hirachi. That's probably your favorite yeah. brand of shoe, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it's got a real place in my heart, Kizzy. Yeah, it's, uh, I tell anyone about that that sort of talks to me about the early days of the Soul Supplier. I notice that whenever you talk about the Soul Supplier, you always talk about we as opposed to I. So it's clear to me, at least, that for you, teamwork is very very important how easy was it for you to get that initial team around you during those earlier years yeah it's quite tricky when you're hiring online um using different sites you you probably know some of them upwork people per hour mm. um there was another one called elance so all these different freelancer websites where you can they're marketplaces where you can hire people over overseas or even in the uk but wherever it is you're connecting with them online and there's a lot of turnover because it's hard to find good people that are reliable. Um, so initially building that team was hard. Um, but the, the best story is, is that one of those people that I recruited, you know, four years ago is working with me now and he's sitting with me in the office and he's one of my most senior people here and he handles the partnerships and the content partnerships for the business. So that is like, that just goes to show you that it turned, he helped turn my life around with the business. And that's why I say we, because we are a team. I could not do this without the great people that I have around me. And one of the biggest challenges right now is recruitment because it takes time to find good people, whether they're online or whether they're in person. It's to get the right fit for your business with the right skills. It's not easy, man. That's tough. I hear you. I remember a couple of years ago, I was going for an editorial job and the managing director said to me, Kizzy, uh, in this company, we believe our most important asset is our people. What do you think? And I said, I disagree. And you know, when you have that moment, that awkward moment when you could hear a pin drop, he said, what do you mean you disagree? I, I said, well, I don't think your most important asset is your people. I think it's the right people because with the right people, you can achieve miracles. And I think for, for most most of us as entrepreneurs getting the business off the ground it's constantly trying to find the right people yeah i agree with you there uh, people have asked me what's your usp and i say well we, we we offer breaking news and we do this we do that but our real usp right now and i'm still i can still say this because i still believe this is our team our team of the right people like you just said that's our usp because that is what you can you can recreate the business, but if you don't have the right people that are bonded together through time, experience and knowledge of the business and each other, then it won't be the same. A man after my own heart. Tell me about competition. Tell me about the market that you're operating in. You've come up with this innovative, groundbreaking, game-changing idea. Uh, when you finally emerged, did you find yourself in a very competitive environment? Are there big-name brands out there dominating the marketplace? Or, or is it a fairly even playing field? Yes. Yeah, and you know, like they say, it is about timing as well with, with, with your business, uh, with business in general. So. I definitely had an element of getting into the market at the right time because five to six years ago, it was just in its sort of, it was about to explode. Um, so when the Soul Supplier started, loads of other sites popped up very similar um, because they started to see the success. And there were quite a few competitors, but I saw a lot of those drop off. Um, and then, like you said as well, some of the bigger sites, let's say the, the bigger fashion sites, the bigger fashion blogs, started taking elements of what we were doing and building them into their, their, their arsenal of what they could offer their audience. So that was quite scary because when you've got people with a lot more money than you, 
you're seeing them do things, you're thinking, wow, they, they could take us out if they continue doing certain things. But they're still there. We're still here. We're still growing. And the market's bigger than ever. So there's enough room for everybody. Um, yeah, it was interesting. But that's, that was another scary time when, like you say, you see someone bigger than you start to, t- start to catch on and do similar things. But yeah, we, we went through with it. And I've got, again, that must be due to the team, in my opinion, because we stuck together. Yeah, I think you're spot on. It really has to be the team. But I also think there's some element of truth to the idea that you can't win any races if you're running by yourself. So it's really good sometimes to have competitors out there who are serious players, because that really helps keep you focused. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's, I've never been one to get too complacent, but definitely... If you're looking around and you're not seeing people doing similar things, I could I could definitely see that you could get more complacent than normal um, because you feel like you're winning the race so heavily. It's definitely good. Com- competition is good. It's that age old saying, yeah. On the issue of um, being complacent, I was just thinking about a couple of years ago, we all took it for granted that reading was the surefire way of getting information across to anybody. But since then, we've, we've all experienced this, this seismic shift away from reading and more towards video and watching. Now, your site uh, is, is very content heavy just by its very nature. How important is video content for you and, and how do you source it? Yeah, so that's something we're, we're relaunching the site and the app um, in August, and it's going to be a lot more visual than ever before. So further video content integrations, um, because like you say, people love to see shoes in, in the hand, sh- shoes on the foot, unboxings. We do a lot of that stuff, but you'll see a lot of it on our social accounts. So really the site needs to become the video hub, if you like, because I know when I'm browsing online, I stop and watch videos more than I read editorial now. Um, that's not for everyone. People still love reading. I still love reading. I still buy books and have a bookshelf. But, you know, it's just easier, isn't it? It's easier. It's something slightly lazy about watching videos. You just don't have to do anything. You just look in one place and it just it's easy, right? You're absolutely right. It really is very easy. And I think we're all guilty of that particular type of laziness. But uh, just hold that thought, George, because we're going to take a quick music break and come back to our conversation in a few minutes. This week's boss star is Carl Brown, marketing manager at Sitback Solutions, a human-centered design and web development agency in Sydney. Now, Carl looks after all online and offline marketing activities for the agency um, while also working with a handful of clients on selected projects. But when he's not managing on and offline marketing at Sitback Solutions, Carl is an extremely talented musician. Here he is with his band, RTC, performing Textbook Error.
Hi, I'm Jonathan from Amplify, and I love listening to Kizzy's Game Changers. Kizzy's Friday Game Changers, taking your business to the next level. Welcome back. I'm talking to George Sullivan, founder of The Soul Supplier. George, just before the break, we touched on some of the many challenges you faced getting Soul Supplier off the ground. Well, was there any time that you, you doubted that you'd make it as an entrepreneur? What kept you going during those dark and difficult moments? Um, I think as soon as you get, like I said, one of those signals where the market really takes to it and like we had that first page first position ranking then from that point onwards you've proved it's your proof of concept right so then that for me there was no stopping me that for me from that point was I was still working in recruitment at the time but I knew that the next goal was to get out of recruitment which scared my family because they were like you know you the traditional route sort of nine to five um and you're going to leave recruitment um I just bought myself a car as well at the time because I was driving quite a long way to get to work. And they were like, you know, you've got your car that you're crazy. Don't leave work. I was like, look, this is the goal. So I made sure I had a certain amount in the bank. And then I just, I went at it full time. Um, And when you make that decision, there's no going back, is there? So I can't say that like, when you asked me that question, there was, there was any doubt from that point. It was just, I'm making this work now to the death kind of thing. And and there's been stuff that's happened over the past five years, which have been quite scary, which I've thought, oh, this could really affect the business or in the worst way, could this, could this, could this take out the business financially? Um, things with partners, things with suppliers, things that we just hadn't seen coming. And but it's, it's like this sort of hunger that doesn't go away. I'm not just rolling over and, 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 and saying, oh, okay, well, that's beating us. It's just from that point onwards, that day I made that decision to, to leave work. This is it. This is my passion. This is my career. This is my life. It is literally like that, Kizzy. It's my life. That's what I do. Mm, I know exactly what you mean, George. A couple of days ago, I was talking to a good friend of mine, and, and they were explaining that the word incision means to cut into something, while decision means to cut away from something. And when you decide to do something, you're cutting away any other possibility. You're in fact burning your bridges, and you absolutely definitely have to take the island. It sounds like you burnt your bridges, and you knew you had no alternative but to make it work. Yeah, that's right. Um, my family as well, they, they weren't at the point when I started this business, they weren't wealthy. And, they, you know, it, for me, I wasn't either. So it was a big decision because you're resting a lot on it. You're resting your life on your business decision. And that's quite scary considering you've got people around you that might be, that, that are worrying about that because there's, there's, not so, there's financial insecurity, let's say. Um, so that makes it even more sort of live or die kind of thing. It's like, what will happen if this doesn't work? And that makes your decisions, it makes you a bit more obsessive and a bit more, you know, what, what, what's riding on it, so to speak. Does that make sense? It does. It does. Absolutely. Are you comfortable with, um, insecurity? Are you, are you comfortable with not being sure what's going to happen? Or do you need to know how everything's going to pan out before you jump in? Um, I've taken a lot of risks over the last five years, you know, and if I've had money spare, I've, I've tried to invest it back in. For instance, I built an app. Um, I didn't build the app, but I hired a company to build an app and the app that they built was, was great for a month or two, but then we realized it was the complete 
wrong way we wanted to go with the sole supplier app. So we had to rebuild. And I, I'd, I'd spent 15000 to do that. And I had lost that, basically, because I had to redo it. Uh, <laughs> you know, I've never been afraid to try things out. If there's, for me, I'd rather spend the money investing back into the business, testing things out, even if like 50% of them don't work. I'm happy with that. Um, because you've only got to say, say you try 10 ideas and then eight of them don't work, but two of them do. They've got the potential to blow your business up even further. So I've never been one that understands like entrepreneurs and business people who are sort of in it for the, the lifestyle and the money. And they were on take, take, take and buy loads of nice clothes and buy loads of like, cars. And don't get me wrong. I like to buy some nice clothes and I have a car. But the point is you, your primary reason should be to invest that money back in and grow your business right because we're in business to grow and make the business better yeah i hear you and i completely agree i think if you're in it for the long run you can weather the storms a bit better and you can see what's over the horizon um and when those difficult times do come to challenge you you either go through it or you grow through it and it sounds as though you've done a hell of a lot of growing since 2013 uh yeah i try my best man i'm always reading i'm always uh listening to people in the team and around me. I'm always one to speak to external consultants as well that know more than me that have been in bigger businesses that can really offer that knowledge. I'm happy to pay to hear their opinions and sort of dissect the business because, yeah, I'm always looking for, for, the, for the support and external help because I'm, you know, like I'm 28 years old and I haven't, haven't studied an MBA. I haven't had a traditional business background. So, you need that traditional understanding of things to, to make it a better business, in my opinion, yeah. So what, what would be the most important advice you'd give to anyone looking to start their own online news and information resource? So for that type of business, if you're a knowledgeable person in your field, you have a lot to offer. And the biggest thing that's going to hold you back is just the fear of what people may think. So first thing is just to put that information up for instance, start a LinkedIn account and just create a post every other day, offering some key information, a long form post, some key stats and figures about whatever it is you know. You're going to start to pick up a following if you use hashtags and you engage with people. Um, but yeah, just start. Man. You just have to start letting people know what it is you're about. Um, and then look for the signs, look for people's reactions. How are they reacting to it? Because like you know, we, it's easy to start a WordPress website. It's, uh, it doesn't take a huge investment to do, to sort of get your proof of concept. Um, there's so many people I speak to with ideas, but so many people that they just have objections. They have their own barriers to entry as to why they can't or won't do it. And it's just like, that's the biggest hurdle. Yeah. Very wise words indeed. We could keep on talking for hours and hours. Um, George says, if you're, if you're thinking about starting a business similar to what he's doing, just go for it. Just start. Look for the signs for valuable uh, customer feedback and don't put too much weight on those obstacles and objections that we all have in our mind. Uh, George, it's been so inspiring talking to you. I'm, I'm putting you on my list of people that I want to speak to again in the next couple of months just to find out how you're doing because I suspect that you're going to be in a huge multi-billion pound mansion somewhere and you probably won't even be taking my <laughs> call anymore. <laughs> no, I've got time for everybody, Kizzy. But um, yeah, we've got some good plans with the technology on the Souls of Blow over the next few months. So stay tuned. <laughs> Done. Thank you so much, George. It's been a real pleasure having you on the show. Thanks for having me on, man. It's been really good talking to you.
Well, after talking to George, I can't help but be blown away by how much this extraordinary man has achieved in such relatively little time. If anything, George Sullivan is proof that every once in a while, a new technology, an old problem and a big idea turn into an innovation. From my conversation with George today, here's what I've learned. Innovation comes from one, acknowledging yourself, two, studying and understanding the problem and three, finding a solution and four, as George says, just do it. Go for it. George has done it. I know you can too. Playing us out is Carl Brown, marketing manager at Sitback Solutions and his band RTC. This track is called Drinking About You. See you next week. Just